so, Jen. Hi. You look, uh, you look like you're somewhere different. Y'all see my money tree? It's thriving because it's in California. <laughs> What's the weather there right now? What's the temperature? Okay, so it's only 70. This is a cooler week. Okay. It's also like 66 right That's now. Bad. I mean, global warming, like, honestly. <laughs> like, the weather's not that different right now. Like, October, it's not so desperate. But like, you know, come December, I'll be happy. I am in a sweater, everybody. I know you can't see it. You can only hear it. But it's fun. And, you know, Jen's in a sundress living her best beach life. Yeah, I've been to the beach several times. I've been to Target like 60 times. I've been to Ikea once. You know? But what is it? How was the move? I mean, okay, let's start. Okay, back it up. <laughs> Welcome, friends, to the Not Traditional Podcast. But um, Jen moved across country, guys. She moved. I'm in LA. I'm loving it so far. And yeah, it's, it's, um, I've been to the beach a lot. And the move was great. I, I was in North Carolina for two months, as you know. And then uh, I just flew my little tail out here, shipped some stuff. UPS did lose one of my monitors, so I'm in a dispute with them right now. But other than that, everything else made it safely. And I got a couch last week, so I'll keep you guys updated. That is awesome. Yeah, if you follow Jen on Instagram, you, you will realize that she, now, she actually lives on the beach. You know, <laughs> she just goes to her apartment from time to time. She lives on the beach. Confirmed. <laughs> um, what's going on with you? How, how are you? How's work going? Well, I am coming to you from three hours of sleep. Yes. Jesus. And but you, you know, like, here's what the people need to know. You still worked out this morning. Yes, I did. 90 You're minutes. Boot camp. <laughs> you went to bed at 6.30 a.m. and you worked out this morning? Yes, I did. You're a fool. Because I'm an athlete. <laughs> but, um... No, it's so funny saying that now coming off of our episode with Michael Goy, which was perfection. So good. But, um, you know, his episode was all about work-life balance. And that same week, um, there's this um, guy, he's a Nike trainer. His name's Joe Holder. And I was, I follow him on Instagram and he would, he wrote something on like a stories or something like that, that really resonated because he, you know, he said something about like realizing the importance of having, you know, a work-life balance and like having a life as well as doing so much work. And he's come to this realization when he is doing the most work in his life, but it's, it's hitting different. You know what I mean? So for me, for example, I have too, like during the shutdown, I got to appreciate the life I have and enjoy it and really want to keep that level of, you know, balance going. But at the same time, I still want to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. I still love my job. So it's finding that balance, appreciating the moments I have and making sure that, you know, on the weekends, I'm taking care of myself and I'm also having a weekend, but also doing the things I love, which yes, it's, you know, I worked an overnight on a set for on Friday graveyard in a graveyard stories, (laughs) um, slept for three hours. And now I'm here recording the intro to our next episode. Am I tired? I mean, a little bit. I am on coffee as well, but Mm. I'm loving it. Like I'm truly having a good time. So I, I think if you can find that balance is, you know, it's worth it. I know that coffee's hitting. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm going to crash so hard <laughs> minus like two hours from now. And I'm just not going to want to talk to anybody. I'm happy for you. All right. So we have a really great episode this week uh, with Skylar Mapes of XL Olive Oil. Uh, we had a chat with her a few months ago now <laughs> about her olive oil company um, based in Calabria, Italy. And um, what are your thoughts? Um, it's so funny. If you follow, so we will leave all the links in the bio, but, or description. I don't know. What do the kids call it? This mm-hmm. is. <laughs> But I'll leave links about. Right. I'll leave links to her Instagram and stuff, but they're in Calabria right now in the middle of harvest. So it's actually super cool to see the process. I mean, I came across Skylar and you know when you you just are super interested in a career like I mean, olive oil, I didn't know <laughs> in my mind. I'm just imagining people picking olives from the tree, putting it in like wooden cases and like stomping on it to make it all right. of oil. Exactly. <laughs> so it was really nice to get an insight into the industry and what it's like and what it's like to be an olive oil farmer and be an American olive oil farmer. Because again, yes, I understand the sort of, you know, there is an industry in California where Jen lives now (laughs) of wineries and olive oil makers, but it's such a European thing to me as well, that it was very interesting to learn a lot from Skylar and talk to her about um, the process. Yeah, absolutely. We'll let you guys take a listen and chat with you more about it at the end. Skylar, welcome to the non-traditional podcast. Yes, welcome. We're so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, so for our listening audience and those who don't know you, please tell us who you are, what you do, and how you move through this world. Absolutely. So my name is Skylar Meeks. I'm the co-founder of XL Olive Oil, an award-winning olive oil company, and I'm also the producer. So my husband and I founded XL in 2017, and we essentially moved back to his hometown of Calabria, Italy, started making oil, imported it, and then sell direct to consumers. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. Now, now Anna's going to jump in and give us some questions. But before we do, I want you to spell the name of your company for the folks. They know after we talk to you, they're going to want to know all about it. Yes. So XAU is spelled E-X-A-U. Amazing. Awesome. Well, you know, we like to start from even earlier on our podcast. So when you were little... What did you want to be? I wanted to be an architect. So I come from a long line of uh, builders and developers in my family. So that's my, my entire dad's side. They're all developers. And then my mom's side of the family, they're all nurses. And I definitely did not want to go into healthcare. <laughs> so I can't deal with that much blood or pressure. No, thank you. <laughs> yep. Or pressure or being on my feet for that yeah. long. Mm-hmm. But actually, no I, no, I take that back. I'm on my feet for... <laughs> Quite a long, long <laughs> harvest. Yeah. But I, I love the creativity uh, that went into designing spaces and architecture. You're essentially designing a space that people are going to be living in. You're designing people's experiences in spaces. And I, to this day, I love that. But it just felt a little bit too stagnant for me creatively. And so that's why I'm not doing that anymore. So did you mm-hmm. actually go to school for architecture and go through that? Yes. So I went to architecture school and I had gotten an internship at an architecture firm in Barcelona after I graduated undergrad. 
And it was during that internship that I met my husband and I tasted real olive oil for the first time. And when I came back to the US, I did work at an architecture firm. So I was really invested in the industry. And after that, I worked in for a structural design or structural engineering company mm-hmm. as a BIM specialist. So uh, my specialty has always been in 3D modeling. So a lot of the um, renders that you see of indoor spaces with architecture firms or the 3D models that you see with all like the structural elements. Yeah. That's what I would create. Okay. Oh, wow. Does that come into play at all in your life now? Yes. So <laughs> we... <laughs> I, again, I've always been really creative. And when I see something I, that is two-dimensional, I can immediately bring, up, bring it up into 3D. So when we were planning the business, when we were planning XL, I could see it happening. Mm. It wasn't just something that was laying flat in a business plan. It was this almost like a living being. It was the trees being, forming a brand and then us putting a name on it bringing it to the U.S. and then designing the experience the consumer would have once they tasted our oils. And that's also why we're very invested in olive oil education. Wow. That's like a really interesting transition. Like it completely makes sense. Like if you just say architect to olive oil maker, I don't see a thread, but just you explaining it that way. I'm like, of course she's an olive oil maker. What else was she going to (laughs) do? But then you made it make sense. It totally makes sense. But how actually did you make that transition? When did you say, this isn't what I want to do anymore? Even though you really, I mean, you liked it, right? Being an architect? I liked, I liked the idea okay. of it. So we definitely have this idea. And I think others also had this, and this vision for me that being an architect was going to be very glamorous. And there was a day when I realized I wanted to be sitting on the other side of the table. I'm not kidding. I was like, I actually want to be the client, not the architect. I want to be able to say, I want X, Y, and Z. Can you make it for me? And I think realizing that was what was happening. I had to make a decision about what I wanted to do next. And I didn't want to design, um, I wasn't very interested in designing hospitals. I wanted to design single family homes, high-end residences, luxury restaurants, luxury hotels. And it's really difficult getting into that field. And it also takes a very, very long time to build your reputation. And I didn't want to invest 10 years into building somebody else's company. Right. And I, I wouldn't say that there was, a, there was necessarily one day where I said, you know what, this isn't for me anymore. It was more of myself feeling like I was pulling away from that. My husband presenting this wild idea to start an olive oil company and just get, get, like um, placing that little seed of an idea on the back of my head. And then that little seed of an idea growing and growing. And then me saying, I'm actually kind of curious about that. Like maybe we should see what, what's, what's over there. That's very interesting wow. how you, um, because again, it, it's not something you dreamt about from when you were little. It's almost, it's something someone brought to you. How did you go, how did that process of going from olive oil, I don't know, to actually finding that love and finding that curiosity to go forward and make it into a career? Yeah. So again, it was a very slow transition. So I was becoming stagnant in the design industry. And so I went to work at a winery 
in the Bay Area with my, under my friend Shauna, who's the head winemaker there. And she's an incredible woman. And she told me, come work Harvest. Like, let's see what happens and see if you like it. And I told her, I shared with her the idea to start the olive oil company. And she said, you have to go after that. That sounds like a really great opportunity. But until you do that, come work here and let's see if you even like this industry at all. Because making wine is very similar to making olive oil. So I remember I was going from a desk job to working in and around all of this large equipment in an industry that requires a lot of physical labor. Mm. So that's a very big transition, right? It's not something where you just say, okay, I'm going to go do this different type of work today. Uh, And I needed someone to guide me because I didn't have the confidence to do it by myself. And so that was a really great stepping stone. I'm really grateful she gave me that opportunity. From there, I went, I did go back to work in the design industry and then Giuseppe and I started planning to start the olive oil company because I had that confidence and he said, we can really do this. He had the confidence the whole time. It was me that I was the person who did not have the confidence to go to start this company. Um, but we both agreed that if we were going to start an oil, olive oil company, it had, we had to do it hundred percent. We couldn't, we couldn't do it 50%. We had to harvest, press, bottle, label, palletize, import sell direct to consumer, make sure that we're having, we're, we're connecting with our customers and educating them about the product because there's still so much misinformation out there about olive oil in general. So again, it wasn't necessarily a, a clear jump from one career path to another, but it just kind of flowed and made sense. Yeah. Now I, I'm curious now that you're knee deep in the olive oil industry, what are some of the pros and cons between the wine industry and olive oil? Like what are things that you kind of wish you could bring over? What are things that are easier or harder in what you're doing right now? That's a great question. So I love that both industries require that the fruit is very, very fresh. There's something about very ritualistic about harvest. And you really build community with the group of people that you're working with. So I love that aspect of here's our, our crew that we're harvesting with. And then here's who we're pressing with. And we're working with this group of people to actually produce the product. As far as what I believe, what I could wish I could take from the wine industry, maybe the aging process of the wine. I think that's very fun with olive oil. It's now, 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 like as move it as quickly as you can get it to the customer as quickly as you can. In the wine industry, it's more slow because the wine has to age. Yeah. You just yeah. brought up something that I think a lot of people don't know. I remember how I found about it. I wrote, I read an article in the New York times like years ago, but there was always, I think a tradition, even in my own home growing up where you would get this bottle of like extra virgin oil and you would coax it and you know you only used it on special occasions and it would last seven years and you would just keep it forever that's not how it's supposed to go is it that is the opposite of how it's supposed to go you're supposed to get it open it as soon as possible consume it and love it and i know this yes olive oil does not have myself on this podcast (laughs) you don't (laughs) no don't worry um (laughs) Olive oil doesn't have an endless shelf life. And I think a lot of consumers don't know that. And that's something that we as a a collective, um, as professionals in the olive oil industry, we are trying to fix that image. 
And so we really need to help consumers understand that once you purchase a bottle of olive oil, you should open it and use it. And I'm not saying you have to use it all in one day, <laughs> but it has its, ple- its peak flavor profiles within 30 to 40 days after opening the bottle. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. You know how long I've kept a bottle? I mean, let's not do this. Wow. It's okay. We can go into specifics later, but that just for full flavor profiles, that's what just 30 or 40 days. It's so similar to, not, not in that way, because obviously wine, its shelf life is longer, but it is similar in terms of the flavor profiles that you're talking about. Okay. Yes. Wow. She's learning. She's learning. Okay. So I kind of want to dive off of that and just thinking about how cooking can be so tied to your emotions and your memories and how Anastasia was talking about, you know, we used to think about olive oil, this bottle, you're thinking about a bottle of olive oil in a very specific way. And I think that a lot of people's memories of meals are with loved ones and olive oil is the start of so many meals. You know, it makes it kind of the stronghold of of the food industry. Like nine times out of 10, I start my meals with olive oil, garlic and onions. And I feel like the, like, I want to know what the emotional impact of having a strong base to your meals and that being the crux of your company like how does that affect what you do because that sounds like kind of like a big like cross to bear (laughs) it is very emotionally exhausting and for me the thing that's most emotionally exhausting is when one of our trees dies because we see them we're not we're nothing without our trees I always say that exile is not run by us it's run by our trees because we can't do anything and the rhythm of our company it cannot be what it is without the trees being healthy and happy and getting the things they need so they can give us the fruit mm. and give us, bring us this joy and this love that we're then able to create into this other beautiful product that we can share with others. So we can't do anything without the trees. Olive oil is poetry, y'all. <laughs> wow. And we love them. It's uh, so some of our trees were planted 80, almost eight, or a little over 80 years ago by Giuseppe's grandfather, wow. over 30 years ago by Giuseppe's father. And then we planted a three year old trees uh, last year and we're planting more. So when we're in the grove and we're in the trees, it's like stepping back in time because we're able to see the same things that Giuseppe's grandfather saw, that Giuseppe's mom saw when she was a young woman because she used to help her dad with the harvest. We saw the trees when they were able to experience the trees in a similar manner to how Giuseppe's father experienced them when he planted them 30 years ago. It's like walking in a timeline. And we, we love that. So when I smell those fragrances coming out of the pot, because we most of the time we also start our meals with garlic and olive oil, it's nostalgia. And it does, it hits home. So it's very, very emotional. Oh, love it. Wow. How do you, I mean, I, I was going to ask why, why Italy? Like why go there? Because again, you live here and I'm thinking, isn't it closer to just maybe have groves in California or something, but I'm guessing it's Giuseppe's history and having those trees. And that's why you picked Italy. Yes. And Giuseppe introduced me to olive oil. I didn't know what it was what it could be before I met him. And for Calabrians, they are very, they have very strong emotions and they're very attached to their trees. And many of you don't know this, but Calabria actually produces almost a third of all of Italy's olive oil, but most people don't even know where Calabria is in Italy. 
whenever I say Calabria, they say Colombia. <laughs> not Central America, Calabria. Mm-hmm. And so it's this really undiscovered place that doesn't really get a lot of tourists. It's very remote. The closest airport is an hour and 20 minutes away. Yeah. And most people have have been living in the their small towns with the same people their entire lives. Or at least that's how it is in Giuseppe's hometown. So when I went there for the first time in 2014 and Giuseppe introduced me to his mom after only about three weeks of knowing me, he was like, you have to come meet my mom in South Italy. Sure. I had a very strong emotional connection with the, with the space. And then he asked me towards the end of the trip, do you want to meet my olive trees? Which I thought was really cute. (laughs) Oh my God. I want olive tree love. So I went and I met the trees and they're just so beautiful. It's, I almost feel like they have personalities, you know, because they have their own like different shapes and the wind has shaped them. Our property sits up on the top of this cliff and there's an empty property in front of us, a dirt road, and then our property behind the fence. And they have this beautiful view of the Ionian Sea. So they're getting a lot of the winds off the Ionian Sea. So it does sometimes push them back or push them to the side. And it, they're just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They have character. Wow. And so I felt very drawn to that. It felt, it brought me comfort. What's your, I'm curious about what your sign is. Libra. Are you, are you an earth sign? And, and also like what your relationship to nature is in general before any of this, were you, did you feel really connected or is this something no. that came about? I wanted to live in New York city in like <sighs> the highest apartment possible and <laughs> have a cactus. So he like awakened something in you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at Libra Earth sign. Is Libra an Earth sign? Let me just see what you are, girl. You're an air sign. Okay. Just checking. I'm just like trying to vibe the situation because you seem so connected <laughs> to nature. And I think any regular old tree is magical. So if you're producing and literally surviving off of these trees, I just think that that is so majestic. Oh, yeah. I'm living. And I want olive tree love. So like, can I, I'm putting that into the universe. Find me a Giuseppe. People listen to us on every continent. If there's a Giuseppe out there for Jen Mandia, call 555-555-5551. Or just DM us on Instagram. Come on, Jen. <laughs> I'll keep my eyes peeled in Calabria. Thank you, you might have to learn like Italian or I'm Spanish. good on I know I know a little bit of Spanish. It's close That's enough. Fine. That's no, fine. It means Spanish. <laughs> True, they will. No, when Giuseppe and I met, I only spoke English and Spanish, and he spoke Italian, French, and what he thought was English. (laughs) So we were using Google Translate, and he was speaking Italian, I was speaking Spanish, and we would just piece it together. It was. Are we creating the book and movie deal as we speak right now? Because what is Netflix? Come on, guys! What's happening? What is this story? Goodness, but um. (laughs) Going back a little bit to education, because that's like a big thing for me. I mean, it's pretty clear most people don't know much about olive oil. Like I feel there are two sorts of people. Either you're going to the grocery store and you're picking up whatever thing that says olive oil that's the cheapest, or you're like, oh, fancy occasion. I'm going to get a $50 bottle of olive oil. And there doesn't seem to be any in in between. How are you trying as a company to educate people on olive oil. 
Yes. So it starts with what is it and what is it not? And olive oil is it's the oil from an olive and when it's going through the through the machines when you're actually pressing and I'm using air quotes when I say pressing because olive oil is not pressed anymore it actually goes through a centrifuge and that centrifuge is separating vegetable water from olive oil okay and so it is fruit juice that can be bottled and is shelf stable if it's filtered it's shelf stable and should be consumed as quickly as possible. And when it comes all though, it should be, since it should be as fresh as possible, that means that there's going to be a cost because we don't want old products. We want high quality products. And it, there's, a, there's a certain amount of time it takes to get to the consumer though, right? So like if you're in California and you're purchasing Californian oil and it was harvested in November, it might be on the shelf in December. For if it's coming from Italy, it'll take at least six weeks to get to you from the time that it's bottled. But no matter where you go in the world, olive oil is not a cheap food. And that is the biggest misconception that olive oil is cheap. It's not. Nowhere, nowhere, not in Italy, not in Spain, not in Greece, not in Tunisia. It's not a cheap oil. And that is the biggest barrier that we're seeing because, like you said, it's either like $6 or $50. And we know that not everybody's gonna be able to purchase a $50 bottle of olive oil. Like that's why our bottles don't cost $50. Some say that our oils are expensive at $27, but that's what, that's how much olive oil that's very high quality costs. So what are we purchasing? And this might be controversial, but what are we purchasing for $6 at Costco or like wherever? So I can't say any brand names and I'm not going to. So (laughs) I'm going to not say any brand names, but um, in the past, there has been some issues with olive oil in the U.S. And and, this is global, actually. So not just the U.S., this is a global issue. They have found that some olive oils have been cut with corn oil. They have found that some olive oil companies have evaded the harvest date and just put a bottle date on the bottle, which is concerning because a harvest date and a bottle date are two completely separate things. Mm. If you bottle something, that doesn't mean it was harvested right before you bottled it. It means you bottled it on that day. Yeah. And that's very misleading to the consumer Mm -hmm. because they're trusting companies to operate as transparent as possible. Right. So again, there's a, a host of things that happen behind the closed doors in the industry. And when they come to light, people are like, how could they do that? How could they do that with my oil? How could they, how could this not be the product that I thought it was? Well, olive oil costs money Mm -hmm. and you're paying for quality. And the most important thing I would say when you're purchasing oil is to know the producer and know where their values lie. As oftentimes people will say, Hey, how do I know that I'm purchasing a high quality oil? And my answer is you don't unless you know who the people are. Yeah. So like in that's that, what, in, in ahead, that context, sorry. is it hard to scale and still be honest? I mean, I think that's a question for every industry to be honest, but is it, are there companies and obviously I don't want you to say any brand names that exist that have been able to scale their business like yourself that are still keeping it honest or is that a rare thing? It's there are, okay. It depends where you are. So Again, this comes down to the brand and what you want to purchase. So here's an example. 
I know of large brand, large olive oil companies that will come down to Calabria, purchase a bunch of oil that is actually extra virgin, truck it up to another region in Italy, and then slap that region's name on the label and say, this is olive oil from blah, 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 and then sell it in the US. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's that's something that doesn't really sit quite right with us because we don't have anything against people purchasing oil from other parts of the country. It's just about making sure that you're transparent about it. Right. right. So for another example, we are going to have to scale. Thankfully, I'm very grateful that we now have the demand that we're going to have to scale. We're out of space. We, our trees can only produce so much oil every year. And now we're going to end up having to purchase some oil. But the people who we're partnering with, their estates are organic. They're within five miles of our property. We, they're the, also the same people that own the press where we process our oil. The, one of the owners is a chemist and we know their entire staff. She's so, got points, y'all. I'm not, I'm not playing games with this. Like, right. no. Good. And also when we do decide to purchase oil from them or des- decide to harvest some of the trees from that property, we're going to be able to walk the property mm-hmm. and see them working. And if they need help, of course, we'll be there working as well because that's one, one big thing that we'll touch on in a moment. But we'll be there on the property, walking the state and saying, hey, we want this tree, that tree, that tree, that tree. And that's what we're going to be doing. Right. Mm. So we know exactly what we're getting. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, it, you bring up a lot of things. And it, this comes to play, I feel, in a lot of direct-to-consumer companies, be it clothing, whatever. Because I think that's definitely something that maybe was niche a few years ago. But now there's just a lot of them. But what role do you think transparency plays in business and how do you approach it in yours? I think it's everything. Mm -hmm. I think that we wouldn't have a company if we didn't operate with transparency. That's why I feel comfortable telling you this, everything, our plans for growing. And it's why I always have my phone out and I'm recording us harvesting and showing people the entire process that our olives go through. We want to make sure that we're producing a very high quality product and we want to make sure we're doing it right. We also don't believe that we can expect others to do this, this work if we're not willing to do it ourselves, right? So if we hire more people to help us with harvest in the future, or we work with a company to help us create oil, like we need to be willing to go out there and work harvest. Mm-hmm. It's not glamorous. So... <laughs> I'm not sitting in a lounge chair. Like, can you please get the olives off the top well, of the tree? Okay. Like, I was no. just going to ask though, because you've kind of brought it up a little bit all through this, but how involved are you in the process of? I'm out there harvesting. You are picking olives from trees. I'm picking olives. So mm-hmm. when the process of producing oil is actually pretty quick. Oh. The, the day of harvesting and pressing, it takes, one day to produce oil, but that doesn't mean it takes one day to produce produce all the oil. It means that we're harvesting in the morning. And for us, we have a like very specific set of standards that we follow to create our products. So we're harvesting for six hours. We head to the press, the olives go into the press. They're in the press for about 45 minutes. 
And then once it comes out of the press, we have olive oil. It's not filtered. It's not decanted. Um, and it has to be tanked and then eventually bottled and everything. But at the end of the day, we always have oil. But misconception about harvest is that it's just one day and done. It's not. Harvest lasts from September all the way to December in Calabria. So it is months of very, very long days. So do you spend all that time there? Yeah. Oh, wow. You're like bi-coastal or bi-continental. Yeah. Yeah. She is worldwide. She is pitbull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, worldwide. Yes. <laughs> I am harvesting and I'm at the press. So that's the other thing. Like we show our customers the entire process that we go mm-hmm. through at the press. Mm-hmm. And then once our oil comes out of the press, um, our chemist takes a little vial, takes it over to the lab, which is just like two doors down and then lab tests it. Wow. So fun. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of stress, but it sounds so fun. Like you're, you got chemistry, you got nature, you got love. I'm just living. Amazing. So you may have already answered this in, in certain terms, but you might have another example, but what's a time that you failed quote unquote, that brought you to your current success? Not getting my dream job. Mm-hmm. In, in, in and, architecture and design. In architecture and design, I wanted to transition out of design into marketing, and I'm really happy that nobody hired me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Girl, if somebody had like hired that. me, I wouldn't be where I am. It bees like that. Yes, absolutely. And I, I mean, we, I think from the first five minutes we were talking to, kind of heard that, and it's just funny how that works out. But uh, I'm sure at one point that was your goal. That was the hey, if I really make it, this is where I'll be. And then you would never have had this dream. And it sounds like you guys are doing so well and scaling, and that's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, we're lucky to have the right people around us. I also think that's a very important part of running and having your own company. It's making sure that you have the right people around you and the people that are, that are around you want to help you. Mm. So we've gone through this whole conversation now and we could like totally end it here and just be like, yay, olive oil, <laughs> love you, Skylar. You know, it's going to be great. But, you know, there's a little bit of a little elephant in the room in the sense that you're African-American. I don't know of any African-American wine or, I mean, not wine, but um, olive oil <laughs> producers. So what is it like being in this world? And also guys, we're recording on the day that Kamala Harris was announced as VP. So yes. VP candidate, <laughs> but they're just a lot of- Basically, I know. <laughs> You're getting a little ahead of yourself. <laughs> Um, but there's just a lot of, you know, in this world where you say like firsts, are you, but that's just a question. Cause I have no idea. Are you the first, like, are there any others that you know of? I, that I know of, I am the first. And then now I know of one other black female olive oil producer that just started producing oil late last year. Okay. Nice. So, and she's yep. in California. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, I don't know of any. and. I know women of color and I know uh, one other black woman that owns an olive oil brand, but as far as producers go, no. So, so what is it like being an African-American woman in this world? Like, (laughs) are you just like, oh yeah, I just make olive oil and you know, that's what it is. I'm so happy you asked me this question. I love this question. Like seriously, one of my favorites. So when we were in California, it was very different because I feel like, in the olive oil industry in California, there's way more barriers 
to get in. It's very exclusive. This industry is very exclusive. It is very male dominated. Um, and that's just touching on the people that are producing the oils. It's also extremely pretentious. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> um, when it came to getting oils into stores, again, a lot of the grocery buyers wouldn't even take my, they wouldn't answer my emails. They wouldn't take my calls. They wouldn't let me come in and do tastings. I had to send emails for my husband's email. I had to have Giuseppe set up the phone calls with them because they wanted to hear his Italian accent. And I'm like, I know more about Italian olive oil than you do, but sure. Fine. Whatever. Have a conversation with my Calabrian husband because he has this very thick accent. That's what they wanted. And so I was going to get my product into their stores one way or another. And that's the route they chose. But then of course I showed up at the meeting and was like, Hey, let's talk about olive oil. (laughs) So I got in there. Um, But it was just very exclusive and I didn't like that. And that's actually one of the reasons we moved from California to Texas. And here in Texas, I have, we've been here since January. I have gotten more opportunities and more, been more included in the culinary industry than the past, in the past, what, eight months than I had in two and a half years in California. Wow. Wow. And that now in Calabria, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. again, we're, remember we were in Cal- California that's where we sell it. We were, that's where we sold our product. And then Calabria is where we were actually producing it. I love Calabria and I love Calabrian. So I would show up. Well, first when the Italian men would come help us with harvest, they'd be like, there is this very strong woman holding this branch shaker and she's out there and she's lifting these very heavy crates and like, she's a strong woman. <laughs> they didn't know what to make of me. They're like, this American's crazy. She just loves it. And so that was very funny. And then we got to the press and again, there it's only Italian men there because the women don't really um, go to the press. They're not as involved as they once were okay. in harvesting olives and producing oil, at least in Calabria. Um, and so I get to the press and they would kind of look at me and be like, who is this lady? And they saw me, I knew everybody at the press, right? It's like, Hey, so-and-so nice to see you again. And finally they come over and they start talking to Giuseppe and I, and they find out that we're olive oil producers and our product is going to the U S and they get so ecstatic and they're so proud to say, thank you for sharing Calabria with the world. You're an old fashioned woman for making this olive oil. Amazing. And I can tell you're, you're dirty from working all day in the groves. (laughs) Like you're a real woman. (laughs) See, That's so crazy to me that because in my mind, you would almost think different. Like you're a stranger coming into Calabria, first year American, and you're sort of, you know, trying to produce olive oil in a country that's not yours. You would think that's where the friction would happen. But no, your friction happened in California, mm-hmm. where, you're, where you're from, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So it, it's very fascinating to me because they were very welcoming to you. They wanted you to help share um, their country with the world, with America. And, you know, here it's like, well, you're not part of the clique. So, yeah. And I don't like, I don't like 
being excluded from things or groups of people. And I don't like excluding others. And I think that's why I, w- I was also originally very drawn to Calabria because they are so inclusive, even of outsiders. Um, I call them coconuts because they are very hard appearing on the exterior. So like Calabrian might be kind of rude to you when you first approach them or a little bit rough. And then after a couple minutes of watching you, they're like, okay, she's all right. Like, let's, let's have a full conversation. <laughs> right. And then they never stop talking to you. They're just trying to make oh, wow. sure you're, you're, you know, you're supportive of them, yeah. which is great. And then they'll help you with everything they can. I mean, it's really incredible. The support system and the people that have come together and wanted our business to succeed because we are again sharing a little piece of Calabria with the rest of the world. So I mean a lot has happened since January when you moved out of California to Austin um, where you are now. Do you think there is change coming where especially in these industries with olive oil I think maybe the wine industry is a little I mean different but the same in the sense that I mean I know they are some African-American wine producers, but I'm sure they're not a lot. Do you think there is change coming and they're becoming a little bit more open and realizing it can't just be this sort of close click of people? I honestly can't speak about the industry in the U.S. because I don't feel like, I don't feel very strongly connected to it. And I don't know. Okay. So when you have an olive oil company, you have usually you either have a piece of property or you are leasing a piece of property. And for black people, I don't know how they're going to be able to acquire the property they need in order to produce the product. And I think that is the biggest barrier. Producing olive oil, like I said, it's not an inexpensive product. So it's not an inexpensive endeavor. It's not something you can just go halfway on. Olive, olive trees take between three and seven years, depending on their, the cultivar, to really produce enough oil, olives to produce enough oil. And so you have to be able to invest your time and thousands of dollars into that. And so oftentimes we'll find um, people coming from a tech background or a company that's getting a lot of investors coming up in the olive oil industry. What we're doing is very rare. It's, it's not very common to see someone that owns their own property and is handling every part of their business. Right. So I, I don't know what's going to happen in the industry. And that's scary. Yeah. I, I really don't like it. I mean, because also you would think just with the nature of olive oil as it is, wouldn't it be great if you know you had those plants here and they're grown here and the time from getting you know from tree to bottle to store is reduced and yet the barrier of entry is so seems so high and there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be any support that i can see not that i know of yeah and we'll see i guess we'll see what happens but i'm not putting my eggs into the us yeah olive oil industry basket right that's fair yeah no it's totally fair and i, I hope you're listening olive oil industry just saying yeah, yeah. i know like, y'all are missing out on a big opportunity yeah. it's just <laughs> every industry you're missing out because we're not supporting <laughs> black people um 
Um, may I may I ask my question? Yes, you may. Yes. The question. What does abundance mean to you? Abundance for me means having enough to be happy. And when I say having enough to be happy, I'm not talking about money or clothing or any of those material things. I'm talking, I'm happiest and I feel like I have abundance when I have a giant bowl of beans next to me with olive oil drizzled on top and I have a roof over my head and I'm sitting on a comfortable couch with my husband. Oh, this has been really awesome. Definitely a lot of learning. I think also, I think it's great to teach people things about this, like when it comes to things like olive oil and wine, because I think there's this um, almost like, it's not even a secrecy. It's just like this shield where people are like, oh, that's too fancy for me to know. And it's nice that you can sort of democratize it. And like, you know, everyone should know what good olive oil is and what to buy and be able to just, just spend the 20 $30 and get some good olive oil. Cause then, you know, you're getting good stuff. Yeah. And there's not, you're right. It's, it's not easy to have a conversation about olive oil for some reason. And I think that's weird. So yeah. we need to be talking about olive oil. I'm always happy to talk about olive oil. If anyone ever wants to talk about olive oil, I'm here to answer all your questions. Amazing. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There is no I such mean, thing as a stupid question. Preach. There's not. Yeah. Love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us. This is fantastic. Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Skylar, for telling us all about olive oil. I definitely burn my olive oil every time. So now I know that I'm messing up. (laughs) You know, the one that got me, I was so just, I do leave my my olive oil right next to the stove it's right. just it's just in there <laughs> right like we we all the things that she was like don't do this she's like get a dark bottle i was like why like, mm-hmm. it's plastic like <laughs> don't tell her i said that um no i it was very educational and there's things i just didn't know i didn't know about olive oil so that was great yeah uh, I, as you all know, moved and I didn't get a chance to buy it yet, but now I'm settled. I have a kitchen. I am stocking it with things. So I'm very pumped to buy a bottle of Excel and give a personal testimonial on how bomb my veggies and beans are. Nice. Also, I mean, right now, if you go to their website, they're a little bit sold out because, and that's also a kind of thing I, I like about the brand where it's not, they're not mass producing. So this isn't sort of like, Whole Foods, here are a million bottles and you can just find it and buy it every time. It's very seasonal. Like they have dates on it. They have expiration dates. Like that was, oh, there were all these new things I was learning. I was like the expiration date, the don't leave it by your hot stove, put it in, you know, a cabinet. So I'm learning to do all those things now. And it, it's really interesting, the little nuances that you can learn from, you know, you just think it's an oil, you know, you're just like, eh. or you either think that or it's like this expensive thing that you're never supposed to touch and you keep it for 20 years. And then next thing you know, you're actually eating rancid. Olive oil. That was probably what got me the most was it, you should use it quickly. Yeah. I'm like, hmm. Interesting. So I hope that you all learned as much as we did about the olive oil industry. And I, I know that she's, uh, 
scaling and that because of the way that olive oil is produced, she may be sold out, which is a good thing. And, you know, I know they're planning on having a few more trees next year and hopefully we can just continue to follow her career and XL and be able to support them as they get more product. Yeah. And definitely follow them on Instagram because I saw recently that they have a big um, announcement coming November, December. So that might be some new olive oil. Nice. Thank you so much, Skylar. I think we're going to chat a little bit about food, about sourcing in our bonus episode, which is behind the paywall for our Patreons, which you are able to sign up for at any time. Um, and just so in case you didn't know that you get a bonus episode on Sunday. Uh, so you get a bonus episode on Sunday? Yeah. So basically what you do is you, <laughs> you tell the people. <laughs> Let me tell you about it. Only three quarter way through the coffee and it's not hitting yet. <laughs> Let me tell you about the Patreon. But no, the Patreon is on Sundays, you get Monday's episode early. So if you want to get the episode early, if you want to listen to it on Sunday, subscribe and be a friend of the pod and join our Patreon. But also, if you become a best friend of the pod, um, you get a bonus episode, bonus episode. And we do have one more tier, which includes merch, which if you haven't noticed from Jen and I and our love for coffee is a coffee mug. <laughs> yes. Who doesn't love a mug? Like, Who doesn't love like, a mug? Water in it, you know? Um, yeah. So make sure you check that out. And what does the bonus episode come out? Does it come out on Sunday as well or on Monday? Sunday as well. Yeah. Look at that. Look at God. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So um, what, what, what we got going on next week? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be a surprise, you know, okay. we'll be back with another episode. I am personally very excited for this one. I was just telling Jen, like, I can't wait till next week. Um, but until then, friends, thank you for joining us as always every week. See you next time. Non-traditional is produced and edited by me, Anastasia. And our theme song is Wildfire by Esabalu, and you can find it wherever you purchase music. You can find us on Instagram at non, that's N-O-N-E, underscore traditional, and Twitter at TraditionalPod. Subscribe to our newsletter on our website and keep up to date on all things non-traditional.